0: Hey everyone and welcome to alopecia's audacity podcast proudly hosted by the canadian
1: alopecia areata foundation i'm sarah Teske, i'm crystal malcolm and i'm lauren harrison we're here to offer you a breath of fresh air from those without hair
2: now listen alopecia isn't easy but we're going to challenge its audacity through our candid conversations letting hair loss know that it cannot stop us from living our best life We're here to empower, educate, and inspire you so that you leave us feeling confident knowing that you can be bald, bold, and free, not only on your own, but when you're surrounded by others.
1: On behalf of Canadians who have been diagnosed with alopecia areata, CanAF promotes awareness, education, raises funds for research, and so much more for those affected by this autoimmune disease.
0: You can find CanAF on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn at CanAF. that is C-A-N-A-A-F, and learn more about our organization at canaf.org. On our homepage, you can subscribe to receive our monthly emails, and we'll send you updates on our latest episodes, as well as other alopecia news and event updates. Hey everyone, thanks for joining us for another episode. We are super excited for this one because it's all about glowing from within when you have alopecia. This discussion is so necessary because when it comes to hair loss, it can be difficult to find inner beauty and peace when trying to navigate the highs and lows of this disease. But our special guest, Joy Blenman, is here to share her incredible journey on how she was able to find beauty beyond the strands. Joy Blenman is a senior content designer at Shopify, where she uses her passion for tackling creative challenges to craft engaging content. Prior to her marketing career, Joy worked as a journalist. With over 10 years of professional writing experience, Joy has a wealth of knowledge and skills in crafting a wide variety of content from news articles to national ad campaigns. In addition to her professional pursuits, Joy is also the founder of Joyful Beauty, a beauty and self-care platform designed for people with alopecia. The platform is a reflection of her passion for helping others and her desire to make a positive impact in her community. Thanks so much for joining us today, Joy.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thanks for coming.
0: Can you first take our listeners on your journey with alopecia right from the beginning?
3: yeah so the beginning of my alopecia story is kind of the beginning of my story because i was diagnosed actually as an infant so when i was approximately 13 months old my mom says she came into my room and she saw just little clumps of hair in in my crib and it was really really scary for both her and my dad because they just had no idea what was going on And then probably slowly, slowly, within like about a month, almost essentially all of my hair was gone. So at that point, my parents brought me to like my family doctor. They brought me to different specialists and eventually brought me to SickKids, which is the children's hospital in downtown Toronto. And they ran a bunch of tests just trying to determine what was going on. Because at that time in the early 90s, there just really wasn't widespread awareness of this disease, especially with kids so young as as I was at the time, eventually the diagnosis came back as alopecia. And so at the time, I think it was something closer to alopecia areata, which of course we know is like characterized by bald spots, circular clumps of hair, missing, et cetera. But over the years, it's kind of escalated. And it's moved slowly from Ariata to more like Universalis. So now I don't have eyelashes or eyebrows, in addition to not having hair on my scalp. And I probably live with Universalis now since I want to call it like my late teens or like university years. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So you, you had it right from when you were very, very little. So I feel like for someone like me, where I remember losing all my hair, were you young enough that you you don't remember losing your hair then?
3: Yeah, I don't remember losing my hair. It's kind of odd to see baby photos or toddler photos of me with hair because I just don't really have any of those recollections. And it's funny because I was basically born with afro, so I had like so much curly hair. So it's just such a contrast. It is kind of weird to think um, that I did have hair, but even though like I don't have memories of having it, I still. I'm always, like, thinking, not thinking about it, but I'm always still mourning it. Like, even though I don't remember it happening, it Mm -hmm. still affects me. Like, I still feel like I'm still grieving it because hair is such an integral part of, I think, a woman's beauty identity or just an identity in general, right? I feel like, especially within the Black community, just there's just so much, our hair is, like, very much like our crown. And so it was really odd growing up not being able to, like, get braids. Just not looking like anyone else growing up um, and even still now was, it is really, really challenging. Did you
0: did you have any role models at that time when you were that young? Did you have anyone to look up to?
3: From an alopecia level, no. There's people that I looked up to who kind of inspired me from their bravery in general or the way they carried themselves, like my mom included. But I would say in terms of representation, in the media representation in storybooks or even just knowing someone else who had gone down that path who also had experienced care loss i wouldn't say i had much of that community and that was really really difficult actually it wasn't until relatively recently like the last 5 years that i've actually even like met anyone who has alopecia in person or that is open about having alopecia rather because often people who have alopecia, it's kind of like a hidden thing. There's like a lot of shame, especially about not having hair. It's almost as if it's like your fault, like, oh, it happened because you were too stressed or it happened because you weren't eating right. Or you just feel like, oh, you can't be out about it because you feel unworthy or you feel ugly because you don't have hair. So it's funny, actually, I, I kind of want to correct that because sometimes when I've disclosed to people, that I have alopecia, they in turn may say, oh, actually I have a very like mild form or I used to have it or whatever. And I may not not have known because often Mm -hmm. I think people live with it kind of like in the shadows.
0: Right. For our discussion today, we're talking about glowing from within, right? So it's going to be incredible to hear how you found ways, I mean, without that kind of support so young, um, growing up and finding ways to really embrace yourself and radiate such beauty today
2: yeah Mm -hmm. it's a journey for sure absolutely and joy you had mentioned like just being a woman of color myself and as you know our hair is in essence like our crown it's you know we showcase the latest trends it's like how we connect with family and community and that sort of thing did you find it difficult to find ways to connect with the community even though you lost your hair because you know in essence it's a part of our roots so to speak. Do you know what I mean? And we, I think we play such a predominant role in the beauty industry when it comes to wig purchases, lash purchases, sponsorships, anything that's like um, relevant to external beauty when it comes to like different types of extensions and stuff. Did you find it hard?
3: To a certain degree, I would mm-hmm. say, I would say more so, even just connecting with women to a certain degree on that. So, for example,
2: yeah,
3: I know a lot of people when they're younger, or now also when they go on vacation, like to go get braids, and it's such a ritual. You go see the yes. braider, and you're there for almost six to eight hours. Yes. I never really experienced that. Or people mm-hmm. talk about like wash day, or how important it is to have certain products on vacation, or even just being able to help braid their little sister's hair or their cousin's hair, or all of that. Those are things I've learned later in life, but I, I, I didn't really, I couldn't really relate or resonate or participate in that because those weren't things that I ever like really learned to do because I never had my hair braided as a child. And I even think about when I have kids in, in the future, that's something I'm going to have to like maybe even get lessons on and go through. And it's just little things like that, that you realize were just so affected by hair loss for me because these are actually such like cultural I didn't want to say pastimes is just so ingrained in our culture. And so it was a little bit hard and it's still a little bit odd to be a, an outsider of those conversations. But at the same time, I've learned that like, if I ask people questions or I lean in or i am like, oh, can you teach me this? People are always like more than welcome to educate you and bring you in on those conversations. I think to a certain degree, the onus kind of is on you to participate or to educate yourself or to lead into that Um, and I think that kind of like translates beyond even just like educating yourself about like your cultural practices I think even talking about like beauty rituals it was like okay I didn't necessarily know how to do wigs but like once I asked my cousin's friend like she was so happy to like give me like a wealth of tips and tricks so Mm I think I think honestly the thing that was much most transformative for me was honestly to just like give myself that agency it's like yes I am being excluded but like how might I put myself into the conversation rather than just constantly be on the sidelines,
2: the sidelines. Um, mm-hmm.
3: correct yeah and I think it is hard to do that it is hard especially when you might not feel you're used to like speaking up or you're used to inserting yourself in the conversation but like honestly this applies to so many things but like no one's going to save you except yourself right so you have to really go from within and and take that initiative. And once you once you put your hand up, there's so many people out there who are willing to help you. So that's really something that's been transformative for me.
2: Absolutely. I could totally resonate with that because I mean, I didn't start losing my hair until my late teens, early twenties. So I did have yeah. the experience with sitting with the neighborhood braider for 12 hours, <laughs> yeah, getting my braids done and going to the hair salon. But then it's like that stark contrast because that's now taken away like it's it's no more. So now mm-hmm. you have to f- I had to find ways to navigate how to put on a wig and how to do my own weaves and that sort of thing because for me there was a bit of shame like going mm-hmm. to the hair salon because it's an open concept everybody's talking and chatting and laughing and then you're sitting there with or me rather sitting there with patches and it I mean for me I felt a little form of embarrassment but I found like you said like people are very Helpful if you're willing to put yourself out there to have that conversation and say, Look, this is what I have. This is what I'm experiencing. What are ways that I can move forward in this? You know, so in essence, we're still participating in the community. It just looks a little different.
3: 100%. It just, it yeah. just looks a little different. And I think that's just also an incredible thing because then Absolutely. you can also help other people participate in the culture and the community in different ways because you, you've had those experiences, yeah,
2: mm-hmm, For sure, for sure. Yeah.
1: Joy, it seems like it really gave you the chance to work on your sense of self in a unique way. What you were saying, I can imagine how it impacts your identity and the, the layer of unknown that comes with what you were both speaking to, those elements of what you once knew now being different um yeah. you'd have to kind of reinvent yourself and look at your situation from a new lens right
3: 100 percent, 100 um and I think that I I hesitate to use the word gift but I would say one pro or actually maybe let's say gift because I think like living at Alpha future has really forced me to learn how to be more creative with things like obviously creative with my outward experience but also be more creative with learning how to manage my emotions with learning mm-hmm. how to manage resiliency with learning how to really sit with things that are uncomfortable because it's very uncomfortable to sit with those feelings of feeling maybe a little isolated from your community because you don't have hair or feeling a little bit rejected because you don't look like anyone else or whatever those feelings of uncomfortableness is regardless of who you are, whether you have a teacher or not, there are going to be moments in your life when you're going to feel like deeply uncomfortable. There's going to be moments when you're going to have to learn how to be resilient. And unfortunately, like I had to learn like a lot of those lessons really early. But I also say fortunately, because I feel like in turn, that's allowed me to have so much more experience managing those skills. And I'm, I find that it's a lot easier for me to like thrive on change and to, to navigate a lot of those things. So I would say has really, really taught me to look at things from another lens, both like internally and emotionally, but also like from another lens when it comes to redefining my own perspective of beauty, um, which I know we'll, we'll get into a little bit more later.
0: While we're talking about beauty, the beauty industry is another part of this that can be overwhelming and in some ways create like a toxic standard of beauty for us. You know, many of us strive to obtain this "Quote unquote," look, and with mm-hmm. alopecia, it's like we don't fit in to this standard of beauty. So knowing this so intimately, uh, Joy, can you share how you began and continue to show yourself love from within?
3: Yeah, that's a really great question, and I would say there's no one size fits all approach from this. This is something that's actually been kind of evolved over the years for myself, but I would say. One thing that really, really helped was building a deep sense of identity and confidence that actually wasn't tied to my physical appearance. It, not to say that that isn't still tied to, my physical appearance isn't still tied to my confidence, but I would say the roots of it, like the tenants of it, like now ladder back to who I am as a person. to so really understanding my identity. So something that really helped actually, and I think was kind of like a pivotal turning point, was when I was in university. Because when I went to journalism school, I was with a lot of people who shared the same interest with me, who were really passionate about becoming the best writers possible, who were passionate about becoming credible researchers, who are passionate about their craft. And that in turn, like led me to get more passionate about something that I was already naturally gifted at. And as I started to do great work with my peers that affirmed my identity as being a great writer, that affirmed me as just being being an excellent communicator, being an excellent teammate just through the projects that we did and the the workshops we ran and running a newspaper. Like I no longer felt like I had to be like, oh, I'm the bald girl. It's like, no, it's like Joy, the like incredible writer, the incredible features writer, the incredible disc. That really, really, really helped. And Of course, like for other people, it may not be writing, it may be sports, it may be cooking, it may be whatever. But one, that's really important because then you get to find community with people who are going to like build you up and just encourage you. So that's something that I got from university. But also, two, it got me to build my confidence through a skill that wasn't really related to my physical appearance and so that I was constantly getting like affirmed in that and that helps me grow my confidence overall you know and so those two things like community developing a skill and then also just if you want to continue to develop that skill outside of work or outside of school just having a hobby so that you're not just sitting at home feeling sorry for yourself is huge I have mm-hmm. to say that like the more that you just sit and stay with your emotions it's important to sit with them But if you continue to like ruminate and ruminate, you're just gonna feel more sorry for yourself. And that's really it's not gonna it's not gonna change anything. You really start to see the change from within when when you make make moves and like really take action. And so in a way, like I, I didn't really intentionally try to make that move. It just kind of happened like naturally because I was in that environment where I had community, where I was focusing on something that was productive and gave me joy, that in turn like just really gave me a firmer sense of identity and allowed me to develop confidence and kind of kick-started that so again like that may not be the exact formula for other people but I would say the similar parallels would be finding community finding a skill or something that you can really pour into and just taking action to find those small things that like bring you joy
0: I totally agree I think that's so important you know sometimes when we have alopecia we feel like that is our identity mm-hmm. so find something else that can reaffirm that you're more than that hair loss you have other things that bring you meaning and joy in your life and that you can find community in other places like you said that build you up that make you feel like you that's such a great piece of advice joy thank you for sharing yeah. that
3: yeah I'm glad that resonated yeah it's tr- it's so true it's just find people and things that make you feel like you again. And of course, it may be a sense of community outside of the Alope- alopecia community, maybe it's a sports league, maybe again, it's a writing group, or maybe it's a running group, but then also finding people who affirm you within the alopecia community because they also have walked in similar shoes to you and can give you that encouragement. Just meeting other people who had alopecia, which only honestly happened the last couple of years, has been so, so incredible for me and I feel like also helped me glow from within because it it was just so affirming to just see other people who were open about their hair loss or who were able to just go in public bald or even if they aren't able to, who were able to speak to me about these things that I often kept like secret or hidden because I didn't know how to process my emotions before. Like that in turn was was so so helpful. Yeah.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, for me, I definitely had a similar experience when I was younger. Like for me, it was sports. That was mm-hmm. my thing that I really poured my energy into. And, you know, I built a community around this the, the sports that I played. And it was so essential for me in glowing from within as well, because mm-hmm. I really allowed my personality to shine outwards whenever, you know, yeah. I would go to a dance competition. That's how I expressed myself.
3: Yeah, that's awesome. And I think a lot of people have said similar things whether it's dance, whether it's sports teams, just, it's it's really, really important to find that joy from within. And like, alopecia will always be a part of my identity, but I think I don't need it to be my entire identity. You know what I mean? It's like I'm living life mm-hmm. with alopecia, yes. you know, rather than the alopecia running my life, you know?
1: It doesn't own you, it doesn't own your life. Correct. That's beautiful joy. What I'm hearing in that is that beauty starts from within, and that's always a helpful reminder. You mentioned that you express creativity both internally and externally. So I'd love if you shared with us and with our listeners any tips that you have on channeling your creativity in this way. I guess from an external perspective, maybe it's how you accentuate your appearance and dress up your head. Maybe it's wigs or headscarves.
3: Yeah, for sure. I'll start like without wigs. I know this is like unique and I know, of course, it takes a while to get into a point your alopecia journey where you are cool to go without a wig that's just where I'm at right now it feels most natural and so I would say probably actually the majority of the time I don't wear a wig anymore I still do and I still love being able to switch up my look but I'll start off talking a bit about like how I accentuate it without my beauty without wearing a wig so I always say your eyes very much are the window to your soul and so really, really, really playing up your eyes is really, really pivotal, especially if you have lost your lashes or your brows to alopecia. For me, it was really, really healing and really, really inspiring and fun to be able to put on lashes that made me look like my old self or just made me feel like me again. And so it took me a while, but um, I eventually found a couple different lash styles and lash brands that felt really natural and were easier to apply. Um, there's one brand that I work with in particular still um, called Valora, and they have quite an incredible array of lashes. Um, they actually recently won a couple awards from like Alert Beauty for just innovation and just how natural and effortless they are. So the Effortless Question lashes are great because they're very easy to apply because they're not overtly long. You don't have to trim them. It's just kind of a quick application and done. And they are quite fluffy and they're quite short. Something I know a lot of people who are new to makeup are worried about are putting on lashes or doing makeup that just makes them look kind of like
2: So finding
3: a product like that was really transformative. And my friend said this recently. Like I feel like you know, I don't wear makeup, so whenever I, do, do I makeup so whenever I do, I makeup, so whenever and also just mailing the So I get to yeah, do it that, that are like, really, really oh, yeah. natural. Like falling off when I was like on a Zoom call for work, or falling off when I was like, <laughs> at, like a birthday dinner or anything. And so that was really transformative. Actually, last summer I was I went swimming for my birthday, and we had rented a boat, and I totally forgot that I was wearing them, and I jumped in the water. And I came out and they were still on. And it was just like, wow, just being able to feel like me and feel confident that like it's just going to stay on was really, really transformative. So if you are new to lashes, I encourage you to check out Flora. And they also have magnetic lashes, which are another great innovation. Sometimes people are not great at using like the regular glue. It does take a little bit of time to learn how to get the timing right. And so if people are scared of like, I don't know, going their eyeshadow or they're scared of taking too long, like magnetic is also a great alternative because it's just, a, it's super simple. Essentially the liner is magnetic. And so the lash adhesive doubles as both like a liner and you just line your eyes. There's no waiting mm-hmm. period. You just automatically just put it on and it should stick. And so that's really, really a great tool for beginners. Um, a great tool for younger people as well.
0: I haven't tried the magnetic ones. I was wondering if those, do they stick as well as the ones you use with glue?
3: I would say the ones that you use with glue, in my opinion, are a little bit more long wearing, but Mm -hmm. I would say for like, definitely from like a waterproof perspective and long wearing perspective, I would prefer the ones with adhesive, especially if you can get a good glue, like the one from Laura or a good lash that will stick and is good quality. But I would say if you wear lashes for a short period, six hours or so, I would say six to eight hours, I would say then the magnetic ones are a good alternative. And I would say the trick is to really make sure you add quite a bit at the ends because if anything, even with the normal strip lashes, if anything, a lash is going to come off, it's going to be because it's there's a bit of wiggle room at the end. It usually peels from the end, usually actually the far left or right corner. So I always like double up on putting extra adhesive there, both with the magnetic lash and with the regular adhesive. Oh, another great thing actually with normal adhesive lashes, a great tip I learned is to actually just cut the lash in half because whenever an object is smaller, just like it's less likely to just come off like altogether because that way there's two different ends that are like really pumped down. And that's actually quite nice also if people also want to cut their lash to be a little smaller because they want more of a half lash and want a slightly less dramatic lash. So that's um that's something that I learned actually from a makeup artist who um does a lot of makeup for like Caribbean carnivals and stuff. You're like out in the heat all day, you're sweating, you're jumping, you're moving. And she was like, that's just like the way to keep it on all day. And I I started doing that and I think she's right. It it really, really, really helps. So that's another great tip for people who might be nervous about the possibility of it coming off and want that extra reinforcement or if you want to make it extra extra natural by cutting down the length of the lash um you can honestly just cut it immediately in half and then glue it on as two separate parts and that's that's a quite nice alternative there
2: that's a fantastic tip because i i just recently as you know because i've messaged you and i'm like joy i don't know what i'm doing (laughs) um I recently just started to get the hang of applying strip lashes because I would do the individual ones just because I felt like they were a little bit easier for me to navigate. Mm -hmm. But cutting it in two, I would have never thought to do that because my biggest concern is every time I put the strip lash on, the ends, the end and the, the inner corner always seem to lift first. And on windy days, I'm like, why does it feel like I'm fluttering? But I realized (laughs) it's because my lashes are lifting. So I'm definitely going to try that. And I was going to ask you, how long should somebody let the glue sit before starting to apply it to the lash? And would you recommend adding a little bit of mascara before lash application?
3: Oh, that's a good question. So basically, you don't want to put The lash on until the glue is quite tacky. Okay. So for me, because I don't have any lashes, I actually just put the glue straight onto my eyes, and then I also put, I also put the glue onto the lash. So I put it once I line my eyes, I put a very thin strip of glue, like transparent glue, on top of my liner, and then I also put a very thin strip onto the actual lash, so that double like that also double enforces it. Okay. Um, and also, if I'm in a rush, it helps, like, speed up the process, I find, actually. So, at least with the blur one that I use, I'd say, call it within 15 to 20 seconds. Usually, the glue should be tacky enough for you to just go in. Okay. If you want to expedite the process, I don't know if you have one of those little personal fans, like the Amazon fans, that you can bring outside when it's really hot. Because, mm-hmm. honestly, mm-hmm. you can, those are a great tool for makeup. Like, we you'd want to dry down concealer, literally just take just I wish spray. I had a fan. Yeah, and it'll it'll dry it real quick. (laughs) So I also like to do that too. If I don't feel like leaning or I want to guarantee it, that's a that's a good way to dry it down. And then your second question about the mascara, yes, definitely. If you still have lashes, I would say put on the mascara before, like a little bit, just like one quote. Because that'll make it a little bit more visible where your natural lash line is. And then once the lashes are on, you can go in again, like just from the root. Mm-hmm. to um, elongate your lashes and it'll help blend your natural lashes in with the false lashes a little bit more as well um, and also just adds like a little bit more volume which is always like really really nice so I would say one quote before and then one quote once it's on just, just to blend it again you don't need to go too crazy because you already have like the, the false lashes on so you don't need to really do more than one or two quotes but I think that's a really nice way to to blend the lashes if you still have lashes. Yeah.
2: Okay. And now, because now my, my brain is working, like the clocks are turning. So what's the best way to remove them? Because I'm notorious for just taking them off and I end up taking what lashes I do have left off with it, which is not smart. So what, what is the best way to, or most effective way to remove lashes, but still maintain the integrity of the, the lash band as well as the lashes itself? Oh, this
3: is like, a really good question i wish this was like visual but okay so there's two things you can do a lot of companies think like Valorum included they have like a lash cleaner but okay. honestly if you don't have access to that or you already have micellar water at home mm-hmm. micellar water does a similar thing and so what i would do is i would take a q-tip i would go to like the base of the lash and i would just kind of start to rub the micellar water in okay um along the root of it and that'll just like start to make the glue a little bit more loose and also simultaneously it's kind of starting to clean a little with the gunk off of it, right? Because the celery water is great at like removing dirt, removing makeup, removing mm-hmm. oils. So that that's a great way just to take it off. And then after that you can just gently move the lash off. Honestly with a good quality lash, I it, it will withstand ripping it off because I've done that once or twice. In <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, um, but I would say that's like the best way to do it. And when I've had makeup artists work on me, that's what they've done. And then what you can do is you can take get a spoolie, so like if mm-hmm. you have a spoolie already at home for your eyebrows or whatever, mm-hmm. and I would dip the spoolie in either the micellar water or on the lash care um, liquid and just rub it along rub it along just to get all the gunk out, right? Even if you have any gunk in the actual lash, I would take, you know those little like almost like the comb. I think it's also for eyebrows. You know those like really it's very fine. Really fine. I was like looking around to see if I had one close to me. I would use that to clean any like dirt, debris, mascara out of the out of the lash, right? Okay. Um and then you can just let the lashes sit in the case that you bought them in if it came with a case. And I would say that's a good way to to keep it clean and to take it off easily. And also, like, make sure that the lashes last long because they are a little expensive, right? So if you can get as many wears as possible out of them, I think it's worth it. I actually think that's why I kind of transitioned from using some of the, like, the more disposable lashes that were less thick to ones with thicker bands like that because it actually ends up being cheaper If you can wear one set of lashes like 20, 25 times versus Mm -hmm. wearing some of the more wispy, less thick, like less well-made ones, like only once or twice, you actually get more bang for your buck. So that's, that's a really, really good question. And it's a good way to, again, extend the life life of your lashes, because if you're wearing lashes most days, like every weekend or even like every day, like it, it does add up. So it is really important to take care of the lashes just just to keep it like affordable um, because honestly, sometimes hair loss is really expensive. So that is a really, really good question.
2: Thank you so much. That really helped. So no more ripping off my lashes, check. Yes.
3: <laughs> yes, and make sure you clean them to save money and save the lashes.
2: Isn't it interesting that you think that not having hair would be less expensive, but sometimes it can work out to be just as much as having hair? <laughs> Or if, not more, ass, so. yeah. if not more, yeah, more. If you're mm-hmm. buying a good wig, like that could run you upwards
3: of a couple thousand, like a good human hair whole wig. So I feel like in that way, it kind of is more expensive. Yeah, for sure.
1: And Joy, what about some of your makeup essentials? Do you have a list of top five that you could share? Yeah.
3: um Oh, it's so hard to just pick five. But <laughs> okay, so we talked about the lashes again. I like. I really like Ardell Wispies If you want a lower end option, or if you want a more sustainable long-term option, I I would say um, any lashes from the Velour Effortless Collection, I think are great. Then you're gonna want a good lash glue. I recommend the clear one. I just think it goes on a lot more natural. Some people like the black one if they already wear eyeliner, but if you don't like heavy eyeliner, I'd go with the clear one. If you don't have your brows microbladed, or even if you do, I always suggest getting a really good eyebrow pencil. I think pencil is a lot more natural for people with alopecia because then you can draw on like fine brush strokes, Um, especially if the pencil is quite thin. I would say a thin pencil eyebrow pencil is recommended. I really like the next one if you want um, like a lower end option. And then um, if you want like a Sephora brand option, I really like Anastasia Beverly Hills. A lot of people call her like the queen of eyebrows. She has eyebrow gels, eyebrow creams, and she's been like shaping people's eyebrows like in Hollywood for like 30 plus years. So it's a really, really good brand for those kind of brow products. I would shy away from using the dip brow, which is kind of like a pomade because it's a little thick and because we don't have eyebrows or don't have thick eyebrows and they look a little unnatural. I used NB's that thing um, a couple of years ago so that you guys don't have to, so that's a good <laughs> picture. Okay. So those three, I would say are really, really good. A good eyeliner, a good eyeliner because eyeliner is great because if you don't have bottom lashes, you can smudge a little bit at the bottom just very lightly to line your eyes. And It'll kind of give a little bit of illusion that you have a bit of a, a bottom lash because it'll be a little bit darker under your eyes. and Especially if you do it with like a cream eyeliner, that's really great because it's quite soft and it always looks a bit more natural. I love using like an angle brush, dipping it into the cream eye eye stuff and then just putting it underneath my eyes. I think that's a really nice way to line your eyes when you're wearing lashes and then also make your bottom lashes look like you have bottom lashes. And then I would just say anything that like really helps your skin glow makeup is only as good as, not only as good, but makeup always looks better when you are taking care of your skin. And so I would say having a really good cleanser to take your makeup off at the end of the day, but also a cleanser that has something like a hyaluronic acid that's going to give your skin moisture, I think is another must-have product, I think for for someone with alopecia. Also, I also like to use a good cleanser on my head, on my scalp, actually, because I don't have hair. Like, I don't really, I don't know about you guys, but like, I, I use shampoo sometimes, I also feel like I don't really need it because it's not like I don't have hair. So I'd rather just really be cleansing my scalp so that like moisturize, but also just so it's not like super oily.
2: Do you have a favorite exfoliator? Because I, I exfoliate my scalp Um I forget the name of it. It starts with a V. You can pick it up at like Shoppers Drug Mart, but it's a very lightweight exfoliator. And the um the grains are very fine. So it's very gentle on the scalp. Do you recommend people exfoliating the scalp as well? Um, and then following up, like you said, with like a good moisturizer and that sort of thing. Like
3: Yeah, I would definitely say I think it's good. Not anything, but most of the things that you do your face, I do to my head because it's really just one extended canvas at this point, right? Right. So just continuing to. Make sure you're exfoliating, exfoliating that skin so that it, it is smooth, continuing to moisturize it. I think all those things. I even do serums sometimes, doing like the serums and stuff. It's kind of like really fun self-care. So definitely I think exfoliating is a great way to, to help take care of your scalp. If you're going to more of any of the chemical exfoliants, like talk to like your skincare provider or your healthcare provider before um, exploring that.
2: Okay, Perfect. And then I kind of wanted to shift focus just a smidge because we know self-care is also very important when it comes to glowing from within. So I just wanted to ask you, how do you ensure that you're the star of the show? So do you like take yourself out on solo dates? Do you go to the spa, maybe chill at a park, curl up with a good book? Like what are maybe simple things that you can suggest to our listeners to ensure that they're making themselves a priority in spite of alopecia?
3: Yeah, that's, that's a really, really good question. Well, there's a couple different things. I would say, one, just making space to kind of express my feelings, because mm-hmm. even though I've had Aletitia for almost exactly 30 years now, I mm-hmm. still have moments where it is still really draining, or I I maybe feel a little bit sad or left out. Those feelings never completely go away. They They really... They decrease, right, as you get more confident, but there will still be moments in life with many things where maybe something might trigger you or you might feel a type of way about something. Mm -hmm. So, something that's really helped has been taking the time to journal in the morning or journal when I want that alone time just to get Mm -hmm. those feelings out. And then, also, another part of self care for me is that, like, I regularly am in therapy and I feel like having someone to Speak to about it just that objectively who really has the language and the tools to talk about it has been really helpful that's a big part that's really helped me and then when i'm at home i think just having that time away from screens to either do that like skincare routine or even just to do my makeup like those things really feel like great self-care and then lastly like anytime i move my body It just gets, like, the serotonin up. I don't know. Like, I, it's just, it's just my favorite thing. Like, I'm not, like, the biggest fitness person, but, like, even just going for walks, like, doing my yoga, just gentle movement for me just feels really, really nourishing. And I always, like, leave that feeling a lot better and just, I just feel so much more calm after I've gotten my movement out. Like, it it really, really, really clears my head so much. And I I would encourage people to do that for years, actually. My dad was always like, just move your body. And I was like, no, it's not that simple. But like, in a way, it It really, it really, 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 really is a big, big help. So I'd say that that gentle movement, that off screen time and just having a safe space either with someone or with your journal to to process your emotions really, really helps.
2: I love that. Ladies, what do you guys do to self-care?
0: I love meditative activities, like mm. like walking, journaling, actual meditation, drawing, things like that kind of get me out of my headspace and just find that glow inside of me. Sometimes I make excuses not to take care of myself or not to make myself a priority. So mm. I actually plan that time for myself. Like I write it into my schedule. So like I write, you know, my gym slot in to my schedule I write when I'm going to journal or when I'm going to meditate and that really helps me like make myself a priority because sometimes it's so easy to get caught up in other things like work and other life stuff and you you forget about yourself or you put yourself on the back burner so that's kind of one of my keys to making myself a priority is just really planning that time and actually writing it into my schedule and then sticking to it and for me also it's really important to be in tune with my own needs and not feeling guilty about providing them to myself i don't think anyone should ever feel guilty about giving yourself something that your body needs so i always make sure to ask myself what i need and to to just give that to myself every day i'll i'll say sarah what do i need today and i will make the time for it it wasn't always like that but over time i've learned how to prioritize myself and and give myself those those essential needs so that I can
1: continue to show up for others and to glow. How mm. about you, Lauren? So I would echo what's already been mentioned with movement and with meditative activities, because I think they're great strategies. I've found them really helpful for my own self-care. I really love going for walks to disconnect and appreciate all the beauty in nature. And I love weightlifting And even yoga as a movement practice. Lately, I'm practicing more actively, and I'm also changing my perspective. So I try to experience the class as whatever it turns out to be, without expectations for myself, or without a destination that I'll try to arrive to. And it ends up being a window of time where I can recharge. Cooking, as well, to me, is self-care. I realize it's something that I pour a lot of creativity into, and it is something that you can nourish yourself with, but I also love sharing it with others. Yeah, yeah. I
0: really like the focus, like I think most of us have had on um, kind of like soft and gentleness with ourselves, mm-hmm. like I feel like that's a theme that we've we've heard so far, just being yeah. kind to ourselves, having gentle moments with ourselves, I think that's so important. Crystal, what about you?
2: Definitely the off-screen time, for sure. That is like my number one. And I recently just learned to swim, so I actually enjoy being in the water now. So I recently um, joined the Y. <laughs> so I recently joined the YMCA. So I love doing aquafit. That's like my go-to, and just going to the gym. And I love to read. So those are kind of like my things that I do to really just self-care. And I love taking myself out on dates. That's another big thing, Um, whether it's a coffee shop or trying a new restaurant, just somewhere that I can just enjoy my presence and enjoy myself. Pretty chill.
0: Chill, but important.
2: (laughs) Absolutely. So true. I feel like chill is never
3: a bad thing. I feel like the chill things are usually like actually the best thing.
0: So yeah, Joy, you know, talking about where you were in the beginning uh, growing up with alopecia up until now, is there anything you would do differently in your journey in terms of how you showed up for yourself?
2: Oh, that's a
3: big question. I would have sought community earlier. One, I just didn't fully really know it was available, but I think if I had grown up knowing other people with alopecia or having a bit of a mentor or other people who could have given me tips with navigating, dating with alopecia, navigating, playing with alopecia, navigating, learning to love yourself with alopecia, and then on a practical level, learning how to like make your wigs really natural earlier. I think that would have been really, really transformative, empowering. Having more support is something that I think really was missing and something that I wish I had earlier. Um, But I'm thankful I have it now. And I think that's why I'm so passionate about sharing The beauty tips and sharing those self-care, self-love tips because I didn't really have that context at all growing up, and so I know how much of a wound that was for myself, Um, and even is for other people who are new to hair loss. And so that's why I'm so passionate about it, and it feels so purposeful because it's just really practical, but also just really, really has a deep effect. That's definitely something that I wish I I had or. Would lean into if I had the opportunity earlier, and then beyond that, just learning how to affirm myself, also. So, of course, again, like the external thing, having that support like, that's not something I could have necessarily controlled because I didn't have that community around me. But I would say, just leaning into those things that gave me joy outside of my physical appearance and affirmed my confidence outside of my uh, personal appearance. I would say, just learning to lean into those things earlier. And so I think that you mentioned for yourself Sarah, that was like dance and soccer. And then I would say for me, maybe that was yoga and writing. So I'd say finding community around those things um, and in turn getting support from those deeper friendships around those things and developing a deeper confidence around those things is something that I kind of wish I tapped into earlier.
0: And it's unfortunate because we do hear that quite a lot, like with Canaf, you know, how people wish they'd found us sooner. Absolutely, So that's something that we're really working on. One of the reasons why we're doing this podcast, you know, to re- try and reach more people who are needing support in that way. 100%. So, but yeah, I think community really does make all the difference. Sometimes when you can't find confidence in yourself, others mm-hmm. can find that for you, right, and help lift you up.
3: Yeah, like, like I said, I think um, I only like came to know about Canaf like, when I was in my twenties. So I think it's just so incredible that there's a, a generation behind us who can grow up with PNF, like through their childhood, through their teen years. And even for people who are new now to, to have access to these resources, I think the work that you all are doing is just so, so impactful because community really, really is, is so transformative. So important to have that, that tribe. So yeah, I just absolutely love all the work that you guys are doing here.
2: Yay, Joy. This has been such a fun and insightful discussion. And I'm so happy that you hopped on our podcast to share your experience with our listeners. Can you tell us what's next for you and where our listeners can find you to keep up with you on your latest and greatest?
3: Yeah, definitely. So as I mentioned on Instagram, I'm at JoyfulXbeauty. And then my website is joyfulbeauty.ca in the future and sometime later this year. I'm really excited to dive deeper into talk TikTok, but also to transition my website over to Shopify because that'll allow me to really reach new audiences and also um, be able to sell and share some of those awesome beauty products that I've mentioned. So, really excited to do that transition. That's that's um, something I'm looking forward to launching later this year, and then just continuing to take more opportunities to spread awareness and advocate for alopecia community. I feel really thankful that within the last year, I've had opportunity to kind of do it on a, a wider scale on other platforms. Like last mm-hmm. year, we did Red, Red Table Talk and this year, recently, most recently we did City Line. So continuing to partner with media organizations to continue to just speak about this out loud, because as we said at the top of the hour, like often alopecia and talks about it are quite hidden, but they're still beating alopecia. And it's not something that needs to be hidden or, or that we need to feel shame about. And the more that we talk about things out loud, the more we eradicate that stigma and that shame. So just continuing to forward to those opportunities as they come is something that I'm looking forward to doing later this year.
0: We love that. You're a wonderful spokesperson for all of us with alopecia. You have so much goodness and light and just knowledge to bring. So we're
1: so excited. We're so excited to see what you have next
3: awesome thanks for having me
1: thank you joy it's been incredible to have you and to all of our listeners thank you so much for tuning in we're so excited to share more episodes like this more thought-provoking conversations so do stay tuned we'll close with the words of coco chanel beauty begins the moment you decide to be yourself Thanks for listening to this episode of Alopecia's Audacity, proudly hosted by Canaf. If you enjoyed it or learned something new, please rate us five stars on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you might listen to your podcasts. Keep up with us by following our Instagram and Facebook, and subscribing to our YouTube channel, at Alopecia's Audacity. We welcome any questions and comments, which can be sent to alopecia's audacity at canaf.org. You can also sign up for our mailing list at www.canaf.org. Stay tuned as we release new episodes on the third Wednesday of every month.